In Georgia Ag and Review for the week of May 10th, with the 2012 Farm Bill already being cussed and discussed, we'll start off this week with some thoughts on the discussion from Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack. Well, last week, the Association of Farm Broadcasters had the opportunity to sit down with Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack with a question about the farm safety net and managing risk regarding the next Farm Bill was asked. The Secretary responded with a very clear stance on the issue. We always talk about that, and that's oftentimes the only thing we talk about in terms of the Farm Bill, and the result is what we see, a decline in rural America. The Secretary said that the reality is if that's all you talk about, the Farm Bill will be a very narrowly defined bill and not cover all those in need. When you look at how many of those farm families need off-farm income, you have got to also be cognizant of creating economic opportunity because part of the safety net, part of risk management, is off-farm income, which we never talk about. We talk about crop insurance, we talk about direct payments, we talk about countercyclical payments. How many people do you think will talk about that? Every member of that committee will talk about that. But who's going to talk about the off-farm income opportunities, which is, for many families, a critical component and even more critical than some of the other safety net. Vilsack noted that he believes that those off-farm job opportunities could ultimately save farmers who need them. If you're getting a $4,000 check from a direct payment, that's not going to keep your operation. That's not going to pay your health care bill. But if you've got a job that pays $30,000, $40,000, and it's got benefits... Now, all of a sudden, you can hang on to that 100 or 200-acre operation. You can actually make ends meet. You can actually give your children an opportunity to continue farming. So the question remains, what exactly does need to be done? To me, what we have to do is we have to expand the conversation, and we also have to link it to our urban and suburban friends. If all we talk about is the safety net, then all people outside of rural America think about the farm bill is it's a bunch of subsidies for farmers. Aren't we tired of that conversation? Wouldn't we prefer to have a conversation where people focused on the quality of what these folks do for us every day? And as we turn our attention to livestock news, Randall Wiseman has this report on estate taxes. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association and American Farm Bureau Federation are just a couple of the national organizations that have come together to represent family farmers and ranchers in supporting permanent estate tax reform. The coalition recently sent a letter to Senate leadership noting if estate taxes are allowed to be reinstated at the beginning of 2011 with only a $1 million exemption and a top rate of 55%, the negative impact on our industry would be significant. Now, there are some out there who feel this is technically a dead issue, as there just aren't enough votes to carry it during an important midterm election year. But Colin Woodall, Vice President of Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association in Washington, D.C., said action is taking place. We're going to see a bill introduced this week from Senator Feinstein from California that would be an agriculture exemption. Uh, We're also looking at some language from Senators Kyle from Arizona and Lincoln from Arkansas that would up the exemption to $5 million per person, $10 million per couple, and reduce the rate to 35% for everything over that. Uh, Either one of those would be a great help. If we could combine them together, that would even be better. But uh, we, we've got a lot of support for both of them. We're going to continue to push forward because we need a vote before January 1st. The coalition supports permanently raising the exemption to no less than $5 million per person, $10 million per couple, and reducing the top rate to no more than 35%. They're also calling for the exemption to be indexed to inflation, provide for spousal transfers, and include the stepped-up basis. And as we wrap up for this week, we hear from Everett Greiner on his take on the role of the Southeast to feed the world. Our Midwest has long been called the breadbasket of the nation. Recently, some fairly influential people are rethinking that the southeastern U.S. may ultimately become the breadbasket of the world. Unless the term used by the dean of one of the nation's major agricultural colleges, 
The Southeast is not encumbered with the geographic, the environmental, and the political unrest that challenges Europe, Africa, and South America. Of course, the Midwest will always be our major grain-producing area, but it takes a lot more than grain to feed people. As these forecasters see it, the Southeast has the climate, the soil, and the people to produce for millions of people. So far, there's an adequate amount of water, and with normal rainfall to keep it that way, it's practical to assume that these forecasters are right. One thing they didn't mention, though, is labor. Does the Southeast have enough of that? And remember, you can find these stories along with all the week's Southeast Agnet reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Julie McPeak with Southeast Agnet's podcast.